If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We, are, we started a series last week about life lessons from Christmas, where we take some of the characters of the Christmas story and uh, talk about what lessons we can learn from their lives. And last week we looked at Joseph and Mary. We talked about the fact that their life teaches us a lesson of faith. The fact that, and it still blows my mind, that God is unveiling his eternal purpose right here in Matthew 1 and in Luke 1. And the person in the world that knew more about that and understood more about that than anybody else in the whole world was a teenage girl, Mary. And that's just, isn't that the way God works? You know, he works totally, you think he'd come to a theologian or something like that, but he comes to a young teenage girl, Mary, and and then Joseph, and we learned about the faith that they had to keep doing what it is God planned for them to do. And today we're going to look at Zechariah and Elizabeth, and we're going to talk about the life lesson of prayer that we can learn from them, a prayer life. So let's start picking up in Luke chapter 1, verse 5, beginning. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God, in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his job was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias. For thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. As we look at this particular example of Elizabeth and Zacharias, I've got a question for you. How is your prayer life? A, an associate of mine put on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, he's a pastor doing some research for a sermon, and he asked the question, how many of you think that your prayer life could be improved? And about 95% of the people that answered said, yes, my prayer life could be improved. And most all of them, all of us probably say our prayer life could be improved, but very few of us are happy with the way that our prayer life is and the way our prayer life uh, functions in our life. And the question I have for you is, why is it that some Christ followers only dabble with prayer while others, prayer, they become prayer warriors. They really become prayers. They live a life that's full of prayer. And I'm convinced that the answer to that question 
all depends upon what is our attitude toward prayer. Some folks, they look at prayer and they say, well, that's something to fill out a checklist with. It's a checklist item. I've said my prayer. I've read my, uh, read my Bible study. I have made, made my bed. I have folded my clothes. I have done a good deed for the day. I've done this. I've done that. And, and so that's as far as prayer ever gets in our lives. And so therefore, prayer never becomes important. Well, how can we go about improving our prayer life? How can we go about improving our attitudes toward prayer? And I think there are at least five lessons we can learn from uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth as we look through this passage. And first of all, the first attitude that we need to have, and once again, I put a little uh, fill in the blank page in your bulletin if you want to use it. But if we're going to have a better attitude toward prayer, First of all, we have to learn to let God answer in His own time. Let God answer in His own time. Now, I don't know about you, but I want answers to my prayer right away. When I talk to God, I want God to answer my prayer. As soon as I say amen, I want to get up off my knees and, and see my answer, don't you? After all, what I pray is important, and and God needs just to stop everything that he's doing and answer my prayer. But you know what? As hard as it may be for us to believe, it's not always in our best interest for God to answer our prayer right now. We need to learn to let God answer prayer in his own time. Sometimes it's not in our best interest for God to give us what we want right when we want it. Now imagine this. Imagine your five-year-old son or grandson comes to you and says, Dad or Grandpa, I want to use a chainsaw. How would you answer that question? Wouldn't most of us say, it's not time? When you get a little bit older? How many of y'all heard that when you were growing up? When you get a little bit older, I'll explain it to you. My mama still tells me that, you know. Uh, we, we're, sometimes we're just not mature enough. Sometimes we're just not ready. Sometimes it might be we're praying for a promotion. It might be we're praying for a relationship. It might be God give me, send me money. It may be that we're not mature enough to handle that. You know what I mean by that? Look at some of these football players that step out of college and go into the NFL or basketball players that step out of college and go to the NBA or to, the, to Major League Baseball. And all of a sudden, you've got 20-year-olds that become millionaires overnight. And you know, most of them end up broke. And most, a lot of them end up getting in trouble because they're not mature enough to have that prayer answered. Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying for a long time. They wanted a child and... We understand why when we read the story, but it wasn't God's time yet. God often delays in answering our prayers because it's just not his time. And when we look at verse 6 and we look at verse 9, we find out that Elizabeth and Zechariah, they just keep on serving God. They keep on praising God. They keep on doing what it is that they're doing for God even though God may say no. Can I give you some advice this morning and maybe a word of encouragement? 
God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. I'm going to repeat that. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Have you given up on prayer this morning because you haven't heard back from God? Have you given up on prayer this morning because you think, well, God must just be saying no. There are four answers God could give you to prayer. If you pray for something, God could answer that prayer immediately and say, that's right in my will. Bam, you can have it. God may say, not now. God may say, you know, wait, not, not yet. It's not my time. The third thing God may say is no. So the fourth thing God may say is, I'm not going to answer what you want because I've got something better. He may substitute what we think we want. You know, we think we want the best, right? We think we know what's going on. We know what we need. We know what we want. We know what we desire. God says, I've got something better for you. So can I suggest to you this morning that in your prayer you keep on pushing? And that word push is an acronym. The P stands for pray. The U stands for until. The S stands for something. The H stands for happen. Pray until something happens. Push. Keep on praying to God. And let God answer your prayer in His time. That's hard for us to learn. But not only do we learn, need to learn to let God answer in His own time, we also need to learn to let God answer in His own way. Zechariah and Elizabeth wanted children. They wanted children just like other couples wanted children, and it looked like most of these other couples were getting children. They wanted their child. They wanted it. Uh, they wanted it now. They wanted it right then. But God wanted to give them some, someone special, didn't he? God had that all the time Zechariah and Elizabeth are praying. And you know that they are praying because look at verse 13. The angel Gabriel, by the way, the same angel that came to Mary, the angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah and says, your prayers have been heard. God hasn't forgotten. God is listening. But God's got a special child for you. Think about when Mary and Elizabeth are 20 years old and they're praying for a child. God, give us a child. God, give us a child. Even when they were 20, don't you understand that God already had in mind the child he was going to give them? Problem was he wanted to wait till they were 70. Amen? We'll talk more about that in a minute. But God answers prayer in his own way. God delayed the answer because he had a better answer in mind. There was a little old lady that lived next door to an atheist. And every morning the little old lady would go out in her backyard, raise her arms to the heavens, and say, praise God, you take care of me. And the atheist on his porch would say, there is no such thing as God. So every day these two go at it. Well, one morning, the old lady goes out and says, God, my Social Security check was laid. I'm out of food. I know you're going to bless me with the food that I need. Well, she woke up the next morning, and there were three bags of groceries on her porch. So she goes out to the middle of her yard. She raises her hand. She says, praise the Lord for providing these groceries. The atheist jumped out and said, the Lord didn't provide those groceries. I went and bought them. I'm the one that provided those groceries, and I put them on your porch. The old lady thought for a minute and said, 
Praise the Lord for providing my groceries and making the devil pay for it. <laughs> you see, God's going to answer our prayers. But it's going to be in His time. It's going to be in His way, right? And we need to learn to apply the faith. Remember the faith we talked about last week with Joseph and Mary? We need to have enough faith in God to know that God's going to answer my prayer in the way that's going to do the most good for me and give Him the glory. Answering prayer in God's way or time, answering God's prayer in His own way, and also we need to learn to let God answer in His own power. Let God answer in His own power. I've got a question for you. Have you ever tried to help God when you prayed for Him and you decided He needs your help a little bit? You know, he, he, after all, he, he might need me to help. The Bible, the classic Bible example of this is Abraham and Sarah. Remember, they were old, about 100 years old, and God came to them and said, you're going to have a child. And so Sarah says, she deducts in her mind, she says, Abraham's 100, I'm about 90, and uh, we can't have kids. Abraham, we're going to help God. I'm going to give you my handmaiden, Hagar. You take her and you have a baby with her, and that way God will be able to fulfill his promise. Guess what? That wasn't God's plan. That wasn't God's idea. God had Isaac in mind. God was going to do a miracle. He was going to answer the prayer, but he was going to answer it in his own power, in his own time, in his own way. That's the way our God works. That's the way our God is. I've got a question for you. Why does God wait sometimes until we think it's too late? Sarah thought it was too late for her to have a child. Remember Lazarus and Mary and Martha? Lazarus, good friends of Jesus, died. And Jesus waited four days to go to the home of Mary and Martha. And Martha said, Master, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Why did Jesus wait? Why did Jesus make Mary and Martha go through that? It wasn't time. It wasn't time to That's right. It, it wasn't time. That's exactly right. In his own time. Now, I want you to picture this. You go to the cave where the stone is and they roll the stone away. Or Jesus says, roll the stone away. And Martha reminds Jesus in case Jesus didn't know. Lord, he's been dead four days. He's going to stink. Move the stone. Lazarus come forth and out came Lazarus. Now my question is, was Jesus late? He was right on time. Carrie Peck and New River sing a song. Four days late. Did you know God's not on the same time frame we are? We live our life by time. It's time to do this. Time to get up. Time to go to bed. Time to go to work. Time to punch the clock. Time to get off. Time to go to church. Time to go to the grocery. Time to go to the doctor. Time for this. God is not on time. He doesn't have time. He's eternal. Time is a human thing. God, Jesus came along and raised Lazarus right at the right time. Because you know what happened? 
when Jesus raised Lazarus, Jesus did something only God could do. When Sarah had conceived a child, that's something only God could do. When Elizabeth conceived a child, it was something only God could do. When the Red Sea was parted, that was only something God could do. Remember when Elijah in our daily chronological Bible reading, we read about Elijah and Elijah said, Lord, let me be able to do this so they will know there's a God in Israel. Sometimes God delays the answers to our prayer because he wants it to be a time when we realize only God could do that. Only God could perform that miracle. I believe God's still in the miracle working business. I don't believe in faith healers. I don't believe in things like that. But I've seen too many sick people healed when a doctor says they don't have a chance to be healed. I believe miracles still happen. But when they happen, they'll be for the same reason they happened in the New Testament, to prove that God is God, to prove there is a God that sits on his throne and still is in charge. We need to keep on praying and let God answer prayer in his own time. To let God answer prayer in his own way. To answer prayer also for his own purpose. For his own purpose. You know, it's not unusual for a Christian to hear a challenging word from God and then take a step in faith to obey God and all of a sudden circumstances get harder. Remember the Israelites when God came to Moses in the burning bush and says, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and you're going to tell him, he's, I'm going to deliver my people through you. You go to Pharaoh and you tell him, you let my people go. You know what Pharaoh did? He doubled the workload of the Israelites and made it harder. Matter of fact, Moses asked God, God, what have you done? I did what you told me to do, and, and he said, did I hear you wrong? What about Job? <laughs> Scripture tells us Job was upright, he was righteous, he avoided evil. Job acted in the role of a priest toward his family. He offered up sacrifices for his children in case they messed up. Job was a blameless man as far as God's concerned. And things got so bad for Job that Mrs. Job just looked at him and said, you're so pitiful, why don't you just curse God and die? But you know what? God has a purpose. And let me tell you this. When you decide to take a stand for God, and you decide to start praying more, reading your Bible more, talking about Jesus more, witnessing more, the devil's going to come after you. Because he's going to try, the devil's got two jobs. To keep the lost lost, to keep the saved useless. Satan's not going to leave you. Things may get worse, but let me tell you what. Whatever it is that you go through, Satan can't do anything without God's permission. Amen? Whatever you go through, there's a purpose for it. Job didn't understand. He never knew about that conversation between Satan and God. Of all the bad things that happened to Joseph, every time he turned around, Joseph got put in a pit by his brothers. He got sold into slavery by his brothers. 
He ended up working for a man named Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife come on to him when Joseph did the right thing by saying, no, I'm not going to do this. The woman lied on Joseph, got Joseph put in jail where he was forgotten about. It looked bad for Joseph. But you know what God was doing? God was molding Joseph. God was changing Joseph's heart. God was maturing Joseph for his purposes. What was God's purposes in jo what was God's purpose in Joseph's life? He was going to be second in command of Egypt. He was going to save the world, including his father and his brothers, and God was going to use that to bring them back together. You see, God's purposes, we don't always know what they are. And we don't understand, and when we don't understand, sometimes we get discouraged. Can I remind you of the passage that Paul tells us, or what Paul tells us in Romans, when he says that God works all things out for good? I may not understand, you may not understand, but we need to take faith and understand God's going to work it out for his purposes. He's going to work it out for me too. But it's going to be for his purposes. And finally, we need to learn to let God be God. To let God be God. Why did Zechariah and Elizabeth doubt the angel? Because they were old, right? They said, we're old, we can't have kids. Maybe you've prayed, and maybe you've been praying, and maybe we tend to doubt God too. We say, well, I've tried and I've prayed, but my marriage is a wreck, and I guess it just can't be saved. My kids are a mess. Brother Andy, they got a tattoo. They got a piercing. They colored their hair. They're crazy. My husband's nuts. My wife, you don't know my wife. We, we, our family, we just can't be saved. My job situation, I work for a jerk. You don't know my job, my, my boss. My boss is mean, he's an idiot. The news I got from the doctor, the doctor says it's hopeless. The doctor says it's that I'm going to die. It's, it's beyond hope. Can I remind us this morning that even as Christ followers, we're still going to have problems? There was a young man I led to Christ when I was preaching in Rockwood, and he was very faithful for a couple of months, and then he quit coming, and I went back to, to see him. I said, John, where have you been? We've missed you at church. And he said, well, I haven't been coming to church because i got problems. He said, my life is a mess. Let me tell you what, when your life is a mess, that's not when you start running from God, it's when you run to God, amen? Because amen. the problem is not our problem. Here's the problem. The problem is that in our minds, we serve a little bitty God. And we put him in a little bitty box. When what we need to do is take our little bitty problem, to the creator of the universe and say, God, I'm handing this over to you. Do you think that the God that 
Put all the stars in the sky. You think he can't save your marriage? The God that put stripes on a zebra and a bill on a duck, you think he can't save your kids? The God who put the green in the grass, who put our bodies and created them in such a way. Have you ever thought about how wonderful our bodies are? You cut your finger and it'll heal itself. Do you know that? Our circulatory system, our respiratory system, our digestive systems. You think that the God that designed all of that, the God that knew exactly how far away from the sun the earth needed to be. You know, if the earth was any closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If it was any further away, we would freeze to death. Did you know if the earth spun any slower, everything would fall off? And if it spun any faster, it would fling us all off. Do you think the God that did all of that can't save your job? Can't change the heart of your boss? Can't use you in your work situation to glorify him? The problem is not our God is too little. The problem is we don't have enough faith to understand how big God is. We need to learn to let God be God. Life lessons from Christmas. Joseph and Mary taught us about faith and they teach us about faith. When things are happening, when we don't understand what's happening, have faith that God does and trust Him. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they teach us the life lesson of prayer. Keep on praying. Do you want to have a good prayer life? Do you want to improve your prayer life? It starts by letting God answer, realizing God's going to answer your prayer in His own time, in His own power, in His own way, and for His purpose. And above all, let's let God be God. Amen.